welcome to the third Cultoid podcast. Uh, and this is a bit of a special edition already. We're only at three and we're at a special edition. Um, because we went along last night to a uh, screening of High Rise, the new film by Ben Wheatley. It was an advanced screening and um, Mr. Wheatley himself was there in person to uh, to do a Q&A session after the film. And so what we've done is for this podcast, uh, we are just going to let you listen to part of that Q&A. Not, not the bit that spoiled any of the film, but the, uh, the, the, the questions that followed from the fans about Ben's process, how he has made this film, how he makes all his films, give you a bit of insight into the world of Mr. Ben Wheatley. So, without further ado, please enjoy Mr. Ben Wheatley. Who's got a, a question? There's a, a guy with a, a cap oh, over no. here and a, and a, a handsome beard. <laughs> I think you've kind of briefed what kind of took what I was going to ask, but I was going to ask how involved you are with the actors um, kind of on the day. Do you get much chance to block with them or do you kind of let them and you follow them with a with a lens or it depends what the scene is really like the, the like the big party scene with the the Barry Lyndon rip-off party scene thing. that's that's all one big long shot so that had to all be kind of that's a negotiation be basically between me planning it storyboarding it and then seeing what the actors will do and if if they're awkward and they can't do it it's not necessarily their fault, probably my fault, for making them move in a way that's unnatural. So it's just it just gets slowly smudged together until everything they're doing feels natural and everything the camera's doing feels natural. Um, other scenes like the kids' party scene are much more chaotic and more documentary. So you just go, okay, um, I'll go to say to Laurie, you know, it's like a swinging master. You you just swing the camera around and you you follow the dialogue and see what you get. Um, so we shoot that first and see what everyone does and then we'd um, then drill into singles, so a bit more traditionally shot. Um, but I, th- I think on my attitude towards directing is that it's basically, it's in two parts. One is that, that it's in casting. It's like the, m- the most important decisions I make in the film and directing-wise are in the casting. And then secondly, wh- and directing on a, on a literal level is like, you know, if you ask where the post office is and someone says, well, it's down there on the left, but uh, the roundabout, and then you see the salty dog pub, you go down there, you go, you know, there's a big old tree, you go past the church, you can't fucking remember any of that. <laughs> so the first line, the first thing you say is the direction, everything else of that is just chat. It's the only thing that people will, will, will keep in their heads, so you, you must make that as concise and to the point as, po- as possible. So I don't talk a lot um, on set. Um, and, and a lot of it's about making an atmosphere where the where the actors feel that they can't fail, and you know you go, come on, this you know this is all fucking good, this is great, everything's great, and which it often is, you know, and I laugh a lot and have a joke about everything. I'm watching it and really enjoying it, and it's not there's no stress, and then they'll give you everything. Another question. Find the yellow jumper. Yes, Hello. Are you only picking people who are in pools of light? Okay, not a pool of light. There's some people over here, vague shapes in the dark. There's a really unfortunate stripe of kind of just shadow, isn't there? Across right across there. there. <laughs> um, hello, that was great. I will certainly never eat dog again. Um, not knowingly. <laughs> I like the way you talked a little bit about not wanting to talk about film too much because it's dangerous. And I really mm. liked that. And I'm going to go completely against that and ask where these sort of montages come from and how you plan those and how you shoot those, because I think they're uh, remarkable. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, well, the the montage stuff is, 
I, I really like montages. I'm Ben Wheatley and I like montages. <laughs> I don't care. You know, so sue me. And um, I like that in cinema. When I see them, I really enjoy them. And they're the kind of closest kind of, you know, visual storytelling gets to music. And where, where, where those images are clanging up against each other and creating more interesting meanings across them and, you know, and controlling that rhythm. Um, I really like, and I think that the you know we've I've been developing that with Amy over um, all the films. It's been like a it's been like a fungus growing in our movies until it's become huge inside of High Rise. You know you can see it a tiny bit in Down Terrace, and there's some in Kill List, and a bit bigger in Sightseers, and obviously Field Ninger's full of really crazy psychedelic shit as well. Um, so yeah, that's where it comes from. And it's and it's intuition and taste. It's not you know they're planned in that. They're planned within the script, and some of the key images are planned, but a lot of it is shooting lots of stuff as, as you go along. I mean, I was editing as I shot the film, and, and I would have a list of things that I wanted, and I'd write them down for the B unit to go and get um, and send them off on little missions. And so those montages would be filled up as I was cutting the rest of the uh, rest of the movie. Um, so, yeah, but beyond that, yeah, I'm going to stick to my original thing of not, not explaining it too much. Not to ruin it, but yeah, it's um, yeah, that's it. <laughs> I'm looking to the darkness. <laughs> See the, the silhouette over here. <laughs> uh, yes, put your hand back up. That's you, sir, yeah, right yeah. there. Yeah. The shape. I get the best job just picking people. You need a laser pointer, really, oh, yeah. <laughs> but not pointing in their eyes. So everyone kind of here is obviously like interested in, in, in cinema and film, otherwise we wouldn't be here. But I was wondering, what was it that, you know, when you were kind of growing up or that sort of led you to think that, you know, rather than just going to movies and enjoying the movies, this is what I actually want to do with my life? And, and was there like a particular film or event that you kind of thought to yourself, you know, this is where I want to be, this is what I want to do? I think my relationship with cinema when I was younger was very pure. You know, it was, I, I, didn't know anything about film. I didn't know how they were made. I didn't have any concept of it. And I just enjoyed them, like, without any kind of criticism. And they just, you know, to go to the cinema itself was to such a massive treat. Just to see the adverts for hot dogs was pretty good. <laughs> or, you know, the smell of it, or just it, you know, being in a big room was good. You know, I'm easily pleased. <laughs> um, but uh, um, as things went on, I, I kind of, it was, was from drawing really that brought me to film and I drew a lot of comic strips and and um, and I wasn't brilliantly good at drawing but it kind of um, I developed a language of stories that are, uh, uh, that are told visually and then that slowly grew in my head as I was a teenager into realizing that maybe comic books aren't what I want to do but what I want to do is make films and then I was stuck because I had no clue how you, how you even start to make a film and you know, not to sound like a moany old bloke, but that, you know, before the internet and before publishing really even cared about film, there was nothing. There was no, you, you know, I, I, I got hold of a camcorder eventually that some rich mate had and I shot some stuff. I didn't even know how to edit stuff. It was really bizarre. And then when I look back on it, um, but then I didn't make, didn't even make a, you know, Down Terrace so I made when I was 37. So I'm not like a, you know, just come out fully formed like a lot of filmmakers who just kind of know and they just can make stuff. It's taken me a long time to, to kind of put it together. But in terms of what I like from cinema, I think that the earliest things that, that hit me were um, 
I saw a lot of Alan Clark stuff when I was at school, weirdly. I don't know why they felt they had to show us that. <laughs> but they did seem to. Like, scum seemed to be something. It must have been just a warning not to do that when we go to prison. Um, and contact. I don't know why they showed us that. Um, uh, and then uh, seeing Scorsese stuff. And then uh, yeah, seeing Taxi Drive for the first time was a real eye-opener when I was like 13, 14. I remember seeing uh, Video Drone when I was 12, and that, I think that's had quite a heavy effect. <laughs> I never recovered from that. Um, and then, yeah, and then and then just getting into cinema in general. When, when we moved to London when I was a kid, we used to bunk off to go to the Scala and go to All Nighters there, and and yeah, and then it was all a bit more rock and roll after that. But it's um, uh, yeah, that was that was the beginning for me, I think. Um, just make it all the way around. Um, one of those two men on that that. But I don't. You can decide. I, can't, I don't want to pick. This is our fight start, you know that. <laughs> oh, you're going to have to choose. Fight amongst yourselves. Hi. Um, yeah, that was that was spectacular. Um, how far back does your story with this book go? Was it a case of you came to the book the first time and then that was it, I want to make this movie, or is this something you've been reading for years and whatever and keep going back to? Yeah, I mean, I read it when I was like 16. And, um, and I think it was part of a... I remember I remember hearing about Ballard and and hearing that he was like dangerous and scary in the same way that Burroughs was as well, you know, and um, uh, and and so you know he, he, when you're at that time I was quite naive and didn't really know much, and it was everything was which was a wicked time, you know, everything's shiny and new and exciting, so it was like. I can't imagine now a moment when I, you know, you'd hear like Jimi Hendrix for the first time and think it was the counterculture. But uh, I had that moment, which was great, you know, and, and Led Zeppelin and, and smoking dope and doing all sorts of drugs. And then you read Ballard and um, and what I really loved about it, I guess at the time, it was kind of the, the sex and the drugs and the violence side of it. That that was the thing I took from it. And then, but then when I, when I was older and reread it, it felt it was a it's a totally different experience, you know, and. And having that distance in time, I think when I first read it, it was too close to its publication, and it was still like a s predictive sci-fi. And now it's just like a fucking documentary. So <laughs> it's, uh, that that was the thing I took away from it. I was like, wow, okay, well, these, you know, this is this is kind of now, so you can make it, and it's totally relevant. Thank you. Oh, right down the front here. That's a reward. <laughs> <laughs> can we both? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah swap the mic after Thank you. Yeah. Um, hiya. I really loved uh, my field in England. And I, was I just can see that because you got the T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, I was just wondering what it was like working with Reese again. She's yeah, brilliant. I mean, I'm a I'm a league fan, so, so. yeah. <laughs> so I, you know, I'm always slightly starstruck when I deal with with Reese, and. Weirdly, yeah, Reese and James Purifoy, I've, I have a real problem working with because I'm a fan. I'm a fan. I'm, not, I'm all right with everybody else. It's fine. Don't, don't even think about it. But when I, when I work with Purifoy, I'm like, oh, James Purifoy. And, um, <laughs> and certainly with Reese as well. Mm -hmm. and, um, and he did this brilliant thing. He came over to we, uh, Laurie Rose is a DOP and Bobby Inter's a sound guy. And me all lived in a house together when we made that, f when we made um, High Rise. And it was like the. the um, young ones or something. It was disgusting. <laughs> I don't know how we got conned into it, but you know we were all living together. And Reese came over and um, and spent the evening showing us 
um, videos about trolls and, <laughs> and weird creatures, and then it, it was just the best evening anyway. So at the end of it, he did this weird troll walk, and we all, we all looked at each other and we, oh, I'll buy that, it's just genius. <laughs> so um, yeah, no, it's great working with Reese, and, and he's always so meticulous and detailed about what he's doing, and has a, always has an encyclopedic knowledge of, um, of horror and, um, and cinema, so yeah. Those teeth are great as well. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's, it's scary, isn't it? He's, um, I love them teeth. <laughs> um, I was just going to say, uh, I was the one on Twitter that dressed up as Chris from Sightseers to go and see them. <laughs> <laughs> All done. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. I, I, I thoroughly encourage dressing up for going to the cinema. Oh, it's brilliant. I want to see people dressed as characters from High Rise, isn't it? <laughs> Hello, um, I'm a first year film student and my question kind of links to this one set back here about your younger self. I was just wondering, uh, what one piece of advice would you give to your younger self who's starting out as directing? Um, uh, don't drink so much. <laughs> um, keep your fucking opinions to yourself. Um, I think in terms of making films is that, that, that you need to um, just that you don't need permission to make anything and you shouldn't think in terms of the, of funding bodies or asking people or asking people's opinions you should just make stuff and the more stuff that you make the more likely you have the better chance you've got going forward and if you feel like you're building up to make a short don't bother make a feature film because it's as much aggravation to make a short as it is to make a feature <laughs> film um, and then if you're going to make a film um, don't sit down and, and think that you're going to write your dream project and it's about your love of, you know, I don't know, 60s pop or something and you're going to, you know, there's a boy band and, it, and it's a, you're going to have a big place full of loads of extras and all that bollocks. You've got to basically just look around where you're sitting writing and go, well, I've got this room and, and um, my parents might have a, a garden or something and there's a park down the way and then put it together from that because you don't need... The settings of stuff can be absolutely minimal. It's drama is the most important thing about it. So don't put barriers of production in your way. Um, just to you know, tell a story first and then um, about hu human relationships rather than um, it having to be some big workup, which is going to cost you loads of money. And the, and the other I'll stop at this one. But the other <laughs> the other thing to think about is don't fall into that trap of spending any money on it either. It can be done for fuck all, and you can do it on your on, on a on a smartphone. There's, you know, you don't don't. It doesn't need to cost you any any money. So don't spend any money, please. <laughs> Have we got time for a couple more questions. Um, the, the guy with this, with it, I, I, I hate describing people now. It's like I'm trying to find something quirky. Um, sorry. That man there who said sorry. The man who's talking. <laughs> First off, that was incredible. Uh, thank you for that, and thank you for reading Abba for me. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I've liberated Abba in Change how I've thought about them. But you mentioned your, uh, you mentioned like comic books earlier on. I was just wondering, are there any creative teams or books that have influenced your storytelling or influenced you visually? Um, yeah, I mean, Alan Moore, I think, is a massive influence. Um, from uh, I think Watchmen um, is a book I read again and again. You know. And it and um, and it totally opened my eyes to, well, essentially like how you can pack images full of information 
and how the stories can be read. Um, uh, it shouldn't just be a kind of uh, time-based linear moving forward, but that can be read back to front and symmetrically. Um, so that that's a that he's a, a a big hero to me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, down the front here. Um, I was just wondering, with a film that's that, that is that dark, both in what it shows and both thematically, um, do you think it's important to have some kind of comedic moments in it, even if the eyes are like cynical and there's sort of like, I don't, not malicious in, the, malicious in the right word, like, um, you could say backhanded as they are? Yeah, I mean, I think that, that, that cinema in general, I think if you look back at 40s movies, you know, often they're. they're didn't see any problem with breaking out into a song, <laughs> you know. Uh, the characters would just sing, or like or someone would play like a popular song from the day, um, or there'd be a dance routine, or then there's an action sequence. And I think that the variety in cinema is important. That you you have to break it up, and it's a bit like it's it, it, you know you you're giving stuff to the audience, and you give them give them comedy, and that will make it not feel so bad when you have something really horrific happened as well. So there's a kind of negotiation really with the, with the experience all the time. But also I think that, that in life, life is reasonably funny. Even when it's really dark and horrible, it's always a bit funny. <laughs> and films that just trade in misery are, are bullshit, you know, because it's, it's, it doesn't feel like that. You always have a laugh about something, you know. I'm sure if you crawled out of that elk or whatever, in, in Revenant, you go, fuck, you know, I love it. It's ridiculous. You know, you'd have a laugh at that, wouldn't you? You couldn't help it. You'd just be, I can't believe I'm doing this. You know. So, yeah, I think, I think it's important for the humanity of the characters to, to, be, to be funny. It doesn't have to be a comedy, but, but characters have to have a sense of humour all the time and, uh, and have a joke, you know. Um, we've got time for one more question. You, you're the first hand raised, so... Um, obviously the, the film starts off quite realistic and ends in this really surreal kind of place and I was wondering like how difficult that was to direct and make a, like, a smooth transition out of it. Um, yeah, I mean it, it's... It, the, a lot of work went into the, into the descent of the building from, you know, looking at performances and, and kind, of, kind of right in your face type stuff like that down to really little irritating things like how much rubbish is on the floor or you know or we, we were tracking like the kind of degradation of the clothing and and the hair and stuff so it, it, the, all that stuff a lot it was sweated over a lot um, and um, and a lot of thought went into it and a lot of man hours went into it ridiculously like how high the bags were <coughs> piled or you know what would have happened at this this stage so we did we did think about it a lot and then it's kind of like you know, really poured over in the edit as well, just to try and make sure that the that those transitions don't feel too jagged in our in our for our taste anyway. You know, or that the um, that the, the film feels like it slips through rather than suddenly changing. Um, so yeah, so it was um, that was a big part of the production design was was that, and then um, you know something like. I think Tom Hiddleston's performance is it was incredible to me just a, as a director on set watching it you know it wasn't it's not like I kind of was you know I'm not like Svengali like talking in his ear the whole time about how to do it he just does it because he's brilliant you know and so I was watching it going Jesus this is incredible you know what he's up to 
Well, I think you do deserve an awful lot of credit. Um, you already do. It's quite a stunning achievement. Oh, cheers. Thank you. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very, very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.